0: okay so welcome to american archipelago and i'm gonna be your host for today um this podcast available audio wherever you get your podcast spotify apple whatever the hell else um and those are two that i really know because those are two i used and uh visual um like documentary style on youtube with some visualizations you know um And tip I'm the one who's editing them editing them all right now. So give me a like and a subscribe. Show me some support because I'm going to give you an insider track on prison. I have another podcast called Gorilla Literati, but um this is the one in this like literary history. I want to be a professor. Um my you know, criminal record (laughs) hindered that. So but this is the one that like I definitely have Okay, so I'm not being a pessimist or a doomer uh, when I say this. Um, There will never be an empty penitentiary in the United States. Like all bureaucratic governmental uh, phenomena in this world, They're not phenomena. They didn't just arrive on our doorstep. This happened. It matriculated and metastasized and grew and grew and grew into this goddamn monster. And then you turn around and it's so goddamn big. Um, The prison system right now that has about the actual prison system, not county jails or anything like that, has about 1.5 million souls, I believe, in it. Uh, one, maybe 1. 1.3, something like that, a million and a half souls, two plus million in the whole system itself, um, every city, every state, every jurisdiction, uh, federal, state, um, county, and it's all connected with a, like, thriving, um, transportation system, uh, by private companies, and by actual just U.S. Marshals, um, that all hours of the day, right now as I'm talking to you, there are probably about 20 or 30 vans bringing people all around the country, taking them to where they need to be for prosecution, um, in like unmarked vans, in big party buses, in big old Black Marias, um, which is where I got my freelance company's name, (laughs) Black Maria Creative. Shameless plug. Um, but it might sound like I'm stating the obvious, but like, I don't think the activists and the pundits and everybody in, in the criminal, like Van Jones in the criminal justice reform movement, they don't realize just how, um, latched in, like I was saying, I mean, this is, this is, um, if you imagine, and, you know, I want to get ahead of myself cause I, you know, I just planned out how I talk about this, but imagine just for a second, how many jobs, are reliant on people going to prison and you will know just do that in your head and think about the ancillary shit that you're not thinking about because a lot of these towns are like strictly supported by uh prisons like there's whole towns where there's complexes of prisons off the top of my head because i've done time in one of them like florence arizona um there's state and federal and ice and you know it's just federal and um in the equivalent, a lot of states have this type of thing. California has Chino, Colorado has um, Canyon City. Uh, Shit, I'm trying to think. I think, uh, I think Illinois has one. They used to have like Marion, but that wasn't really complex, but there are a lot of prisons around there. But um, those are the states I have the most experience with because um, I've done time in California Illinois, and Arizona. Um, now, if you really think about how many uh, people could just be snatched up at any given moment, and this is the big issue with laws in America, and the conversation has gone to race wrongly, that's silly, um, that's a complete uh, ignorance of statistics in What's actually going on if they were to just, and the people were talking about race with prison, just go to a yard and look around they'd be like, oh, never mind. It's not race. Or go talk to some of the people of all colors and be like, wow, some of these people really belong here. And um, a lot of these people do not. But they've been changed by the prison system. Not for the better. Um, but think about how many people. If you were... Doing drugs right now, particularly heavy narcotics. You have participated in a drug conspiracy. You've been on the phone arranging a drug buy. That right there can land you in federal prison. Um, it can land you in state prison. Think about ICE and immigrants. How many of uh, these immigrants, if they have passed into this country once and then twice... And I know this for a fact, just all about this. I and mean, I'm gonna do a podcast about this. I was smuggling people in this country, so that's my charge federally. <clears throat> um, the just I mean, all of them are guilty of a felony. It's illegal reentry, and with the federal scoring system, uh, I could get into that, and I'll get in another video another time of the um, sentencing guidelines in America. <laughs> federally because they're kind of creative and kind of fucked up because it definitely, uh, waits, um, it waits actually against people in like rural or suburban districts where they actually charge you how the law is written. Um, you see a lot of people in, I've seen a lot of people max yards like going like in traffic in transfers And with like hardly any serious criminal background. It's just because they've done severe sentences for little petty amounts of drugs. And um, those are mostly in like Republican, like conservative areas. And um, that's the prerogative of their voters. And I believe if a law is written, it should be, um, you know, enforced how it's written. We should just change the laws. If there's a problem with how that exhibits itself, you don't just make a tongue-in-cheek, you know, interpretation and, and run it that way, but um, both uh, political parties feed into this, and it's, but the Democrats want to seem like they're, like, you know, so progressive and so forward-thinking. Oh, um, Biden comes into office, and I'm going to talk about this in the privatized prison uh, Podcast I'm just about to do, but he tries to you know he says oh man get rid of privatized prisons and then he realizes the function that the privatized prisons actually have they're all really ice holding um, like seven out of the eleven federal privatized prisons and there's like sixty some private prison I think there's sixty three private prisons and it's probably going up in America so that's a drop in the bucket if you like oh yeah, we're gonna get rid of federal private um, prisons, and then they backed up on that, and they're like, "No, we can't really do that." And then those prisoners don't just go anywhere; they uh, like they're not let out, and um, they go to other institutions. They go to county jails. They go to FDCs, MDCs, uh, MCCs. Uh, so yeah, just think about how many people, though. Just honestly think about um, or, or okay, start over. Yeah, it's funny how both the political parties, they throw this hot potato around and try to, you know, I mean, the Republicans have always been law and order. It's kind of like, fuck you, this is what we're about. And uh, in times like this, when there's rampant crime, which is how the early 90s were the last time we had the crime bill uh, that Biden's constantly been panned for. And rightly, because here he is now acting like he's progressive. Years later, when really he's a Dixiecrat, but um, you had uh, yeah, basically the political parties just try to obfuscate their role in the prison system. Uh, during Obama's tenure, you had he basically started the uh, immigration prosecutions. During Bush's tenure, you still had a turnaround system, and this is first-hand knowledge, I know this, where if you were caught in the desert, they'd give you water, they'd give you Burger King, now they'd give you these little um, uh, gas station burritos, and they'd send your ass back to Mexico, and you could try again within 72 hours. That was how quick you stayed in this country. Obama started actually charging people for that illegal re-entry. Let's get this light up Let's see my uh scarred face here um yeah so the name american archipelago you don't have to be a genius to figure out where that one came from uh it's from alexander stolzen work um i read it, incarcerated in mcc san diego um so the reason, the importance of that is that his work showed the history of the, like, Stalinist prison system. And how that came about. Every detail he goes into huge amounts of detail. It's, you know, pretty intimidating. I would suggest this day and age getting an audiobook, book. Um, and a lot of it's just going to be, like, esoteric to, you know, the common observer. Uh, but if you... Happen to want to commit a crime and go to prison, you got plenty of time to read it in there. <clears throat> but you know, there's two reasons why people have been incarcerated for as long as time, other than the seven deadly sins you know, you rob, steal, um, you know, and uh, some other pretty dark ones that you know go back to the middle ages and um, you know, Roman times and all that. But they're is war prisoners. Well, there's three actually, Uh, but we could call it two. So there's war prisoners, prisoners of war, POWs, and typically for the longest time, those people were just held and executed. Um, And a lot of times they still are today in places that don't follow the Geneva convention. And then uh, the next one would be like political or religious. And, until the 20th century, it was all uh, religious. religious, or Religion and politics, like church and state, they were one and the same. If you were to question the king, you were a lot of times questioning somebody who was in Europe, uh, was given the their authority by the uh, either Catholic Church or CUV e or the Orthodox Church. And then in You know, the Far East, the same thing goes with, you know, emperors. They were supposed to be, there's always a thing that our leaders basically were, back to Egyptian times, like gods. And in the 20th century, as, you know, Nietzsche said, uh, the uh, God is deadline, the conception of God gave way to these political movements that were originally devised, all of them in the 19th century yeah uh, from um, i think Bukerin was his name with anarchy or anarchism uh, i think that's his name um, and the anarchists of the, at the turn of the century who you know killed McKinley and uh, killed the archduke ferdinand and started world war 1 and attempted on the tsar's lives um, all those anarchists and then Marx and Engels, and the very first uh, revolution of that type was the Paris Commune, then 1871 they had another situation like that, and there's huge revolutions in both those times all over Europe, (laughs) and um, from then you had the Russian Revolution, and that kicked off a whole. Just domino effect of revolutions to the point where we almost had the most despotic single ethos, which is uh, the what we are people are begging to have over here in America, which is absolutely fucking crazy. If you're a student of history, that people they don't understand what that all means to, because. In you know, it's a whole nother pickle, but, uh, it's not the billionaires who end up getting caught in the, in the scrum. It's the little guy because these people who are communists are so they're not producers of any way. They're envious, um, angry, just petulant little children. And they see the guy who owns a liquor store. Um, as a as an enemy or, and not even liquor because thats you know a, a vice they see any small business owner because you got it I don't you did something to uh, take it and that's always been the story that was a story with the kulaks in uh, Russia they're you know the landowners that's the story in South Africa today when you know these white farmers are ran up on and killed is uh, and that's, uh, there's, they have a socialist government. They have the ANC, the African National Congress, or, uh, yeah, African National Congress. Um, it's, you got it. I don't. There's something wrong with that because I'm a good person, right? It's, uh, there's, they have a socialist government. They have the ANC, the African National, Congre- or, uh, yeah, African National Congress. Um, it's you got it. I don't. There's something wrong with that because I'm a good person, right? Uh, so that means you but you clearly, you know, it must have been larceny. It wasn't hard work because you don't have that hardworking gene in your body anyway. Um, or you don't have that character. I'm not saying that you can't do it. Uh, so you can't imagine and you're not there to see the sacrifice it takes to build up something uh, so it's just destroyed and that's what people want and you can see it happening in places like Portland and Seattle like just look around just look at these people and how they act in in trying to push their thought complete orthodoxy in on everybody else that's communism that is exact it's it's a complete, desiccation of everything that's humanity. So, there's prisoners of war, and then there's political and religious, and then there became a third, and that's the American system, which is economics. And, at first, it was the seven deadly sins. You stole, you murdered, whatever, and there were only, at that time, very, there were very few prisons, and I'll get into that, you know, the numbers on that, but, um, it blew up. And why did it blow up? Economics that purely, pure and simple is that uh, it became a way of keeping people gainfully employed, and that's that's all it is today. It's literally, in, I mean, well, I'll just say is that when like build up to it, but we in the seventies and 80s, or in the eighties, we started uh, putting off, and before that, we started putting off this industrial workhorse that had been in place before World War II, but really was bolstered by being the only power left standing after World War II. We started, um, exporting that and, um, offshoring piece by piece our industrial complex. And, uh, over time, those communities that used to have mining and factories and um, all these wonderful industries—they uh, went the way of the buffalo. They fucking died out, and you can see if you look at a, a map of all the prisons. And this is—I it all occurred to me one day when I was sitting there locked up because I've always been a big history buff. And I um, was interested when I'd go to one of these penitentiaries, i always be looking around, you could tell like what year they were built, uh, or what year the prison was built, and you'd think about what the hell happened around that time and, and why this prison was built, and a lot of them, it was, a lot of them were built, there's like periods of time where, you can see in the architecture, of this was this push in like the early seventies. There's a push in the eighties and then there's a push in the nineties and even the two thousands. But, you know, we got rid of our whole manufacturing system and then the Cold War ended and we realigned our our whole military infrastructure and the military industrial complex, which Eisenhower warned us about, which I think we need to get rid of. Because before World War Two, we only had a standing army of like two hundred thousand people. We had a badass navy, um, but that we didn't have a big army. We didn't need a big army. We don't need a big army. We are like completely protected by our geography, and our government has all these lifelong bureaucrats and um, you know spooks is what they call you know spies and shit like that. People who are ingrained in the functions and the levers of power, and they're not going to want to give that up. They have billions and billions of dollars, trillions even, to spend, and uh, there's no accountability. But the little pockets of old military bases, they all have federal prisons in them, or state prisons. And you can go west from, you know, it's funny. Look at all the places where there's federal prisons. A lot of them are built from Victorville in the west all the way to uh, Dixon in the east. Um, They have federal prisons on all the old uh, military bases. And you look at it one by one, and there's a reason. Because when you pulled up the rug of the military base, you had to put some industry in the place. Because there's all these people who live there. They had no jobs. The you know the demoralization of society becomes a, a feeding um, becomes a self fulfilling prophecy and revolving door. Because people get jaded about the direction of the country. They start doing drugs. They let drugs in. We have that's why we have a porous border, and people start going to prison. And then they start feeding these communities that they were sucked out of, and they don't even realize why the hell they felt so shitty in the first place. And they have no idea of history to think, wait, it was that we basically got greedy, and Wall Street sent all of our jobs away. So, and... Here's just a clarification. I'm going to talk about race has not a whole lot to do at all with the prison system. Like I said, it's an economics thing in all levels. And that has a lot to do with race. But I do want to say, yes, like I know I'm talking on both sides of my mouth here, but just bear with me. Yes. Race has a lot to do with it, but it's just not the dynamic that, well, oh, the prison system is here to lock up black people. No, it's just, it's here to lock up anybody it can. It's opportunistic. It, 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 if it can stoke up fear in one place, it will, you know, in, in one time, you know, you saw the crack epidemic and then it was met and they started locking up a lot of white people. And then it became, after a while it became uh, opioids. And then after now it's fentanyl and, uh, And then there's illegal immigration in in that whole thing. And Obama was the one who was really starting that, like I said. Um, And the bail system has a big part to do with it. The education system is a complete travesty. I was locked up with guys in uh, Illinois that didn't know how to read at all. Could not read. And, uh, you know, great guys, personality-wise... But you can't function in, in a, any society. It, a communistic society that's sending you a check. They're still going to require that you do something. And it's not like, go back to Soviet times in Russia and try not to be able to read. That's not going to happen. You're going to be put into STEM classes. You're, your life is going to be so regimented by the government. And first of all, so many people, there'd be 20 million people that die in a, in a um, revolution like that. In America. If, you know, by that time, all the all the people who can't read would be dead. They'd be thrown up against the wall and shot just for being malcontents. They would be seen as a problem. So, um, but the origins of the prison system itself go back to, there's two systems. The slave plantation system and the Pennsylvania system. Pen- Pennsylvania system is, like, Eastern State Penitentiary. It's the actual, like, um mechanical system that we have in place today that its whole concept is as little people as possible, like looking as, at as many people, like or as few CEOs with as many inmates as possible. And that's where the panopticon comes in where you basically have like one um, CEO and a bunch of inmates. And that's how all the prisons are built today. You get all the prisons, they're X houses. They have a bubble in the middle and any county jail really is built like this. And then they have wings coming off that the COs can sit in the middle and look down each wing and see what's going on. And they just have to do walks to make sure everyone's all right on the, like on the count time hours. Every half hour they walk and they sign a book. And a lot of times they don't even do that. They just forge their signature for the last few hours and they play cards and shit exactly like their convicts that's the Pennsylvania system, that is mechanical incarceration, and then slave plantation system is where we get privatized prisons, that's going to be the next podcast, and the slave plantation system goes back to, what do you think, the South, and it's funny, um, because the privatized prison system has basically two models that it's forged together, and I'll go into that in the next podcast, but The slave plantation system is where the economy of the prison system comes from because the Pennsylvania system was a religious ideal. It was being penitent. It was having time to sit there and think. And there was a workhouse aspect to it Uh, going back to like debtors prisons in uh, Britain that – Gave the Quakers kind of the idea or the impetus because a lot of these people were just locked up for not paying taxes or, you know, stealing and fucking God knows what, you know, like it, it was, um, there was an economic aspect, but the idea of a slave plantation system was, Hey, we got these guys and we're not going to have them just sitting around, you know, jerking off hard work and hard work is a way of, um, making people have a different perspective. There, uh, All the prison camps in all countries have a working aspect because you're not going to have a bunch of men, able-bodied men, pulled out of society and just sitting around, particularly if you're like a third world country or a communist. Like I said, communism is all regimented. Um, you're not going to sit around in communism. These people think that they're going to get a goddamn iPhone in a uh, you know, fucking check in the mail for $2,500 every month. They got another thing fucking coming. They're going to, and it's it's just the stupidity and the lack of self-awareness and just, it's so retarded. Um, but it, our word, our word, sorry. But, um, so yeah, those two systems and every state just had a few penitentiaries and a lot of the times that those penitentiaries like in illinois just because i know it went off the top of my head it had like stateville pontiac and menard and uh, there were like work camps thrown in the mix and those were like to do road crew cleanups i was at one of these places in um Cabin rock illinois that was closed down but the penitentiaries like stateville It had both those things. It had a walled-in section, and then it had an area for uh, lower security inmates, exactly like they do now. The place where I was a camp prisoner had no fence. You couldn't have a lot of—couldn't be a sex offender there. You couldn't have vehicle theft. You couldn't have home invasions. You couldn't have a lot of different stuff uh, in your background to be there just fence but it was a satellite to a bigger penitentiary it serves a purpose if the big yard goes on a lockdown you got to be able to have people to feed trays uh and hook people up um and do the jobs for the workforce that's been sucked in on a lockdown if there's a riot and four people die or something like that and that happens more often than you think people just don't care because prison's a black box you don't see what happens in there. They're not trying to publicize it. And it's easy to tamp shit down. And that's a lot of times where they have a lockdown. There's no phones. Uh, there's no more problems. They just let people cool off. And then they go around cell to cell. And uh, go to the reps and ask, Hey, is there going to be a problem when we unlock the doors? And you figure shit out. But um, it's meant to keep the public in the dark. Now... I said, I'd tell you how many, uh, prisons were in America in the late sixties before 1970s or before 1970, before the drug war started, there were 36 federal prisons in the United States. And there were a few of them that were like the classic penitentiaries that are like known today. There's Atlanta, Leavenworth, um, there was Marion, um, there was, uh, Alcatraz, um, there's Dublin in, um, what is it? Uh, California for women. Um, there's these prisons. And then there's a bunch of smaller, like federal prisons built around the federal whole system. And I'm, I am a big proponent of getting rid of all the federal law enforcement agencies, basically just scrapping them. There's no point they're um redundant there's a state uh, equivalent in every state for what what they do and they're too polit- politicized and their budgets just it's just bullshit just get rid of them they're obviously you'd have da and you'd have some counterterrorism and stuff like that but um literally they're when they're Working here domestically and like bankrupt, there's a lot of interstate stuff just because of the complexity of the, There, uh, so I'm saying like, that's a nuanced take. Just, you know, I have to clarify that because of the complexity of the internet world and digitized commerce, but, um, their, uh, their new system, the feds are new. Uh, and when I say like literally I'm not even a hundred years old when, uh, who, what the hell is his name? Fucking, I'll remember it, but he was the, he ran the FBI for years up until the sixties. And, um, this, he had dirt on everybody. He was like the Jeff Epstein before Jeff, Jeff Epstein, um, Hoover, I think was his name. Um, there's only 36 prisons. There's like 200,000 people in prison in the whole country. And, uh, County jails, I've been to county jails where literally they've had three different county jails built uh, that just could not service the amount of people. In Denver, we have the Smith Road County Jail. uh, And it's a huge build. And so really, really, people don't want you to know about the, like, all terms, all this shit. Like I said, the economics of the bigger picture, but also just the alternatives to the prison system and the things I've seen that worked and have been implemented in small parts or, uh, some States doing more than others or whatever, but community corrections, uh, halfway houses for all nonviolent crimes because you have people paying off their debt. You have restitution, you have, um, training programs, you have drug rehab. A lot of people in prison are either mentally ill or, um, have drug problems, like a vast population. I almost want to say a majority that might be going a little far, maybe with the mental illness. It's probably about 30% drug addiction and 30% mental illness. And they're really like one and the same. And a lot of times they're, I'm a dual diagnosis. Um, But the, uh, and a lot of these prisons, like they don't have to be completely done away with. They can have, uh, Mental health centers, you know, they can house people who are out and about fucking, you know, pushing shopping carts. They can rehabilitate these people, get these people checked up, get them some medical care, uh, get them, I mean, a lot of times they just need medication and then they need a shot at, you know, getting some money together for an apartment. Medicate, whatever the hell they need. And I'm not a big fan of medication, but some of these people, yeah, that's only, I and mean, a fucking shower like a power washer I've been homeless before um and I've been a drug I'm I am a drug addict I will always be a drug addict Uh, you know so when I talk about this shit it's not out of spite or anything I can talk about it because I've been through it all right that's my uh, live reality but say the penitentiaries the actual penitentiaries and keep them hard like they used to be uh for violent offenders and sex offenders and that was the way like sex offenders and still in California, they have a shelf life. Uh, if they're walking around in a California yard, particularly if they're white, because that's just the political thing. There are some groups of people. I'm not going to exactly go into that right now. That don't care if they're sex offenders. They gets obfuscated with some of the crimes that are, uh, big in that community. And they just don't, don't care for whatever reason in the white community we give a fuck because um, white sex offenders look pretty obvious. And so everyone's paperwork's getting checked. You go to a yard, you're, you're getting checked. People are going to find out if you're bogus, if you're a snitch, or you're a sex offender. It's only a matter of time. And you have a chance to leave at, up front and say, you know, CEO, I can't be here. Or you're probably going to die. Um, and that's just the way it is. And, like, keep it like that, man, that's the way it should be, There should be a few penitentiaries that are fucking, you know, just like gladiator school, you know, like Mad Max and that bitch, I mean, that's the way they should be, that's, I mean, you see these animals out here, you know, just killing and robbing and shooting, fucking, <clears throat> put them in there, and like fucking, um, spiders in a jar, you know, um, let them handle each other. And I, I do, I've seen, I, I, there are people and like, you cannot let these people out and people are naive and that's a lot of time. you, you know, start interjecting all this other rationale for shit and, um, just making excuses for people. Um, there are people that do not need to be in this society and I'm a fan of the death penalty too, although that's a quick way out, um. Just our sense of justice is really not justice at all. Um, and the but the prison reform bills that they've pat pat put through, like the first step act, great first step, literally. But it only affects like only like the first step act affects me because I was a federal inmate, you know, on my you know ass, I had a tiny bit like uh small time because I was smuggling people. It's like uh. 12 point crime in the feds it's like the equivalent of getting caught with a small bag of coke or something in washington dc it's not a big crime um and i'm a big fan of drug legalization or decriminalization and but you can't just do that and not do a whole bunch of other shit along with it the when i say drug uh legalization i think First of all, sell Tylenol threes and Vicodins over the counter. Uh, Like I think Canada used to sell Tylenol threes at least. Uh, You just need to present an ID. You we would sell or grow our own opium and coca, either uh, in ecosystems that can handle it. Uh, Like coca could probably be grown in somewhere like Louisiana or Florida or something like that or South Texas, and heroin. Poppies or uh, opium poppies could be grown right where I'm at, Colorado. It's perfect climate for it. There's a lot of places that have a perfect climate for it. Um, A lot of high mountains in uh, the center of the country or like hill, what I would call just hills of somebody from Colorado, but um, bring the business of it here. Cut the fucking cartels out. Like America's paying criminals just to basically extort us, poison us. Um, you know, we are paying these people to ruin our country, uh, by keeping these laws that are just unrealistic and incongruent with human nature, uh, and just the economy itself. Um, if you are selling drugs openly and you could have like stores, like pharmacies that are able with the shooting gallery inside to sell you a, uh, you know, half gram of medical grade um, you know, potency checked heroin, like something with some hydrochloride, like inert substance in it, something to make sure you just don't, you know, it's so powerful, then flatten you on your ass, or something that's out of a vial, not even powder. You don't even need to melt it up; just shoot it up, um, and just give somebody a small dose of it. If they uh, die or whatever, you could, you know, you got Narcan being thrown out. And, and to the public these days, I doubt that overdose would be your biggest issue. And after people could see what drug addiction looks like just out in the open, um, and not just, oh, that person's homeless. A lot of the people who are homeless are drug acts. I know. Cause I've been there. Um, or at least they end up that way. Cause that's just the cure for misery of no end is, uh, heroin particularly. So, um. Yeah, there's ways that we could, but there's a whole another component of how you would actually legalize drugs. It would be bringing the business of them in here because we're the only people we can trust to make our drugs. We're not just going to, let's poison our country and um, just let somebody else do it. Let's let the Mexican cartels do it. No, no, no. Um, It would be something that is medical grade done here with a lot of checks and balances and... Um, a lot of help that can be provided and, um, just, uh, yeah. So that's one of my thoughts. And then immigration, just give people amnesty that are here, close the border, build the wall and, um, start having people because people pay to get into this country. They pay smugglers, have people pay for their visas up front. Let people let bonding and insurance companies like we do when you have a bail bond Um, you know your family, if they're in the United States, they say, "Oh, my brother wants to come from Mexico. I'm going to pay a bonding company, like uh, you know, or I'm gonna pay a paperwork fee of like two grand. Boom, to the United States, and he's going to pay a, you know, pretty high tax rate when he's here working, and he's also going to have to meet certain steps to stay here and keep getting his work visa." and um but if they don't have the money to because i know people freak out about that some like if you came over here from uh europe or asia or any um you know south anywhere south america anywhere in this world africa either you came as a refugee or you saved money in a you know in your mattress and came over but you get bonding companies that uh, have bounty hunters that basically somebody stops paying their shit doesn't go to work runs away gets caught with for a crime the bondsman or the uh, bounty hunter goes and scoops them up takes them to jail they do their time and then they get kicked the hell out of the country um, but close the border and give amnesty you need, there's a lot of things the aspects to these alternatives then and I'll do podcasts about these things and, uh, also leave a comment if any of these sound attractive to y'all. Um, you know, and then there's like home confinement. That was, that's the big go-to that people want to talk about. And, uh, they did this study. The United States spent an average of $37,000 on each inmate. And they say that home confinement would cost 13 grand. Um, the, according to the government accountability office and, uh, this like report from you know some think tank or something, that doesn't handle the underlying problems. That just puts people in their home. And the thing about putting people in their home is that a lot of times, like I said, prison changes you. I'm a changed person after going to prison. Not everyone is as you know, because I could entertain myself. I'm a you know prolific reader and writer. I could you know. Um, I knew guys who just played cards and worked out and were are looking to go home to a woman they were dating. Um, if that didn't work out, they had no other plan, no plan at all. No job skills. I mean, I, I was a high school dropout, uh, with some college credits when I got out of prison I went back to college and did all this shit. And I'll talk about my story, um, at another time, but, um, we need to really, Worry about the underlying issues. And um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that is the thesis of this podcast. And I hope people come check, you know, it's going to be an enlightening perspective on this shit. Um, I've had plenty of time to think about it. (laughs) And um, yeah, this is not going to be your average prison podcast. We're going to talk about some serious shit and I'm going to put some good ideas out there in the ether. And hopefully people are going to, you know, with, because even if I did have a platform, I have been disenfranchised. I've actually been disenfranchised, like, um, had the vote taken away from me when I was on state parole. I can't do it all. Um, I have a college degree. I, can, I, you know, couldn't even get a job delivering Amazon. Um, my job pro- prospects are severely limited, so I have to do it all myself. Um, in my own life, let alone trying to change all this shit. But I have somewhat of a blueprint, you know, and uh, I'm hoping that some people listen to this shit and um, actually want to see America become a better place. And, uh, you know, and I want to hear comments about this shit. Like and subscribe. Uh, Hook a brother up. uh, And let's have this journey together. And we're going to be talking about privatized prisons next and... Um, actually get into the history of singular prisons, which are and that's gonna be a lot shorter of podcasts, but it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be interesting, and I hope you're with me.